Welcome to Eye on the Illini, folks. The Fighting Illini won their spring game tonight. So a fantastic victory is the Illini won't beat themselves or didn't beat themselves to win. Either way, it's a W. Uh, we had Matt Stevens there for the Illini guys, and he was, uh, boy, doing all things uh, Illini tonight all over the stadium, getting a chance to cover this. Matt, um, give us some of your impressions on this spring game and, and kind of how the team overall, you know, what, your, what you thought the look and feel was and, and maybe what uh, folks at least should take away on the surface from, from how the team played. Mike, I am old enough to have covered a Sly Croom Mississippi State spring game that ended in a 0-0 tie. So winning the <laughs> spring game is definitely important. Don't turn, don't don't knock that yeah. idea. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was uh, a, a look. Both sides of the ball look like they were competently know what they're doing, which in year two that ought to happen. Yep. Uh, they had fun. Nobody got hurt. As far as my, as far as I'm. Uh, familiar with post game uh all of those things are good and and i think this staff after practice 14 which is exactly what this is they'll have one more uh after this is all over with to conclude spring ball um they have an idea of of where this team is at the end of april which is always a, a good thing and now they get to go shopping in the portal for what they need in an immediate sense and they get to go to a, a spring evaluation recruiting period and, and figure out how to make the roster better in 2023 and 2024 and maybe 2025. And it's not like the staff hasn't already been trying to do that, but um, you know, we will, we'll go through all three phases of this, Mike, as you know, but I, I think Brett Bielema walks away from this game thinking I got a better understanding today than I did on April 1st, what kind of football team I'm going to have in the fall. And I think, if anything, with all the everything that happens with the transfer portal and all the coaching changes that happen all over the country, I don't know if everybody in the country can say that. And I think that Illinois can say that after 14 practices and um, there's a comfort level in, in what they're doing in all three phases. Yeah, and, and obviously, you know, with uh, people like Coach Saban, you know, talking about, uh, uh, you know, not liking – you know, the NIL and Dabo being upset at the transfer portal. Obviously, they're hearing footsteps of the Illini program. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the change uh, is definitely out there. But I will say one thing before we get started. It is amazing what these coaches are having to do now because, you know, you're, you're recruiting each of your players to stay here so they don't go into the, to the transfer portal. You're also recruiting you know, juniors and seniors, you know, you're, you're predominantly juniors, but you're still recruiting players. And then you're also looking at transfer portal players, knowing that if you bring in a certain transfer portal player, that might trigger one of your players or one of the players that you're recruiting to lose interest. The balancing act that these coaches have to, to run right now, it's, it's really um, not surprising to see a Jay Wright um, decide, you know, look, I've been, I, I got a couple of national titles. I, maybe I'm going to get out of this. Um, are football coaches uh, in the same boat as basketball coaches where they feel like their time has been tri tripled during this time of the year, trying to keep all these, these plates spinning without any of them falling and shattering? Uh, I think 
Here's what I think is less volatile in the football world. I think the football coaches have all figured out everybody's tampering with my guys and I'm tampering with yours. And that's just the way that life works. I think basketball coaches are still lamenting the idea that I have to re-recruit my roster. Um, guys like Brett Bielema understand and at least have kind of almost said publicly, look, I know dudes are trying to get my guys into the portal. Um, and quite frankly, like I'm trying to get your dudes in it too. Like, and so um, it's an equal opportunity. I don't know how else to put it, but it's an equal opportunity screw job in, in the football world. I, I don't know if basketball coaches have come to that realization as of yet. They'll get there, trust me. Um, but I do think there's more volatility in basketball simply because your roster just transforms itself every year. I do think that if you know what you're recruiting and in terms of families, in terms of high school products, high school coaches, if you're, if you're playing the game right in that regard in the football world, um, yeah, it can still be volatile in the transfer portal, but you can maybe plan your spring a little bit more cohesively than, say, Brad Underwood can. Um, there's definitely that regard. So I, I would say that Brett Bielema has handled the portal about as well as anybody at Illinois could have expected him to. And look, he's not, you know, naive. He said, he said, Thursday, he said tonight, like, you know, I, I understand there's going to be some guys that enter the portal after this. I get it. I understand it. And guess what? We're going to go shopping in the portal too. So uh, for a guy that continually says he's at eight, he's gonna he's not gonna get to eighty five scholarships. I, I don't. I'm not of that math. I don't know where he's coming on with that. But let's roll with him on this. I think they've got a pretty good plan of what they'd like to do this summer if they if they because uh, they've always the minute that he's gotten here on on late December in 2020, um, Mike. He's he's been a guy that has uh, um, you know looked at roster construction as his number one priority. And uh, I think he continues to do that. And, and when you get when you bring in guys like CJ Hart, uh, you can bring in guys, you know, like a Tommy DeVito this year at quarterback. Um, they continue to make strides in the position groups that they need to continue to make strides in in the portal. And I don't think that this offseason will be any different. OK, good. Well, like I said, I think Coach Underwood has played pretty good ball over there as well. But boy, that's a that's a lot of added stress that, that coaches didn't have just two years ago. So let's 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 get into this. Um, you're looking at uh, an offensive unit that we had questions about uh, the quarterback. That's I think on top of everybody's mind. Um, people also want to know if any wide receivers stepped forward, and the offensive line looks like it's a rapidly improving um, area, and people are really quite comfortable with the, the running backs. Give us your assessment. Yeah, I, I think Tommy DeVito looked fine. Um, the baseline for what his offensive boss and, and quite honestly, his position coach, Barry Lenny Jr., in his first spring game at Illinois was, hey, let's just not embarrass ourselves. Let's not look like we don't know what we're doing pre-snap. Let's not have a whole lot of pre-snap penalties. Let's not, you know, have the things that kill you and drives and kill you in games overall. It didn't happen. Um, whether it was manipulated or not, it, it, it didn't happen. Um, they ran a pretty vanilla offense. Let's just be honest about it. They were in shotgun a lot more than I thought they would be. I think, I still think Tommy DeVito is going to be under center a good bit. I don't think it's going to be a straight shotgun spread. That's not what he came here to run. That's not what he told me he came here to run. It's not what he told Brett Bielema he came here to run. Um, but they did a real vanilla deal tonight. Um, 
not like anybody else doesn't do in the spring game, but I thought Tommy handled it just fine. He threw three touchdown passes against the second string defense, which you always have to prefigate when you say stuff like that. Um, but I thought he looked competent. I thought he looked confident. I thought he looked like a guy that's started a whole bunch of games against power five conference teams coming from Syracuse. So um, the only reason I wrote the column, Mike, about how the quarterback battle is not over yet is, you know, and, and I know Mike, you're a wrestling fan. So I quoted Jim Ross, that's Art Sikowski's music that's coming in August. Like, and he might be the greatest radio play-by-play guy for WDWS in that second quarter, but um, I want to see him throw footballs and see what he can do. And I don't know if he can overtake Tommy in this, but he can make it a competition. And just like last year, if anything were to happen to Tommy, I think they need they need Art to, you know, you know, at least be competent like he was last year. And I don't know if we've ever seen Art fully healthy yet in Champaign. And they keep telling us that we haven't. Um, and if he's got more zip on the football than he ever has, then that's an added element, an added weapon that he just hasn't had since probably arrived at, at Rutgers coming out of high school at IMG. So um, that's not over yet, but I think Tommy's your favorite. One, because he didn't come here to sit. And two, I thought he looked like he looked the part Thursday, right. tonight. So the running back room is the best room in the in the room. And I don't know why anybody would think that's any different out of a Brett Bielema team. Um, yep. Josh McCray looks like a beast, um, like somebody that you don't want to tackle. Yeah. Chase Brown, again, is one of the more, you know, slippery running backs in the Big Ten, which is why he's coming off a thousand yard performance. Uh, I thought he looked the part again um, and, and should it, the expectations should be high for him. Uh, from a third running back standpoint, you did not get to see Aiden Lawfrey tonight because he was on among the laundry list of guys that were inactive. But I think he's going to have a role. I think Reggie Love, who was inactive, is going to have a role. And then later on, and if you want to look at the future of this Illinois football program, they got a kid in Jordan Anderson who's 240 pounds that looks like a Brett Bielema a tailback and looked every bit the part of what a tailback ought to look like for everybody that wanted to move him out of that position. It ain't going to happen because he's – He's got that, you know, tailback thing that he wants to run you over. Um, yep. And the future is good with Jordan Anderson back there. As long, you know, no matter how long it takes for him maybe to, to shine with all these guys in front of him on the depth chart. Uh, the biggest concern, obviously, is wide receiver. Um, you've got a big play guy in Isaiah Williams, but he's five foot nine. And I'm not saying that Isaiah can't make plays because he's made plays his entire career and he's made plays ever since he moved to wide receiver. But year two of this – of wide receiver for Isaiah, the expectation bar is higher, and I think it should be. And I think Barry Lunny, if he has anything to say about it, it's going to try to get number one in the football a lot. The problem I have is that there needs to be some outside guys step up, whether that's Brian Hightower, whether that's Casey Washington, who, again, did not play, uh, whether that's Pat Bryant, uh, whoever it is, whether it's dude that we don't know yet who might come out of the transfer portal, I don't know. Um, they need they need some outside receivers and they need them fast. Um, or they need some guys to step up in the summer, get some chemistry with Tommy DeVito and, and Art when he can throw in June and, and start, you know, making that a more balanced passing attack because right now you've got some weapons at tight end with Tip Ryman and Luke Ford. You've got a weapon in the slot with Isaiah Williams, but everything else is just way up in the air as a question mark. So George McDonald's got a hell of a job in front of him to try to put that group together. Offensive line, I thought, was really impressive. I was worried about, okay, so you're not going to play Julian Pearl 
I get it. Okay. I mean, there's no reason to club him again in a spring game. All right. Club his left hand in a spring game. Um, so you move Palcho to, to right tackle, which they've done pretty much the last half of spring. I think until they move him again, I don't think there's any reason why he won't line up against Wyoming in that spot. Um, I like Isaiah Adams at guard, but they don't have to play him at guard. They've actually played him at left tackle because there was no Julian Pearl on Thursday. So you've got a developmental guy at two positions there. Um, and then I think everybody kind of saw the potential of 360 pounds. Zy Chrysler on tonight when he had the pancake block on, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah and, you know, when, you know, they're, they're moving, you know, they're basically doing the, uh, what they did out of the barge package last year against Penn yep. state. And he's, he's on the move and he, he had that pancake block. That's, that's what you can see. And they're trying to get him down to about 345, 350, so he can play at a very, very effective weight. But I'm not ruling him out of that one of those guard spots if he can play like that and get out on the move. And when they have to, you know, do those types of things, he's athletic enough that he's about, I mean, like, honestly, Mike, as a 350 pounder in junior college, he played basketball. I mean, it's that's a that's an athlete at that big a weight. Um, if they can get him down to an effective playing weight, he can he can compete for one of those jobs. Um, I thought Alex Pilstrom did a really good job at center in an offense where they're trying to pick up the pace a little bit. They're trying to play out a shotgun, would look like 100%, at least on Thursday night. And uh, he said he was disappointed with some of his shotgun snaps. I understand that because Tommy DeVito was, you know, playing shortstop a couple of times. But um, I thought overall, as a guy who's never played the position before this spring, I thought he looked pretty good. Um and I thought depth-wise, Bart Miller's got a got a good set of guys that um, he feels like can, from a versatility standpoint, play really, really well. You've got you've got a lot of guys from guard to guard that you can feel good about. And then if Julian Pearl gets back completely healthy, now you've got some guys in you know Isaiah Adams, Julian Pearl, and Alex Palcheski that can rotate in and out of those spots. So um, from a versatility standpoint, from an athletic standpoint, and from a bigger body standpoint. Brett Bielema has, has uh, um, achieved everything he's wanted out of that unit, even when he caught a little hell before the Penn State game, calling out some dudes. Um, in, in, a, in a few months after that, you've seen a transformation of that group and of that positional room, and, and I, I think that was kind of the whole point, and you saw that on, on Thursday night. and you, you saw it in the run game, Mike. The, the, the holes again that you can drive a truck through happened again um, when they when they pull those guards and they get those guys on the move that's 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 the you know that's the high octane of Brett Bielema's offense really and if you get those guys moving I mean it's 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 really really hard to stop especially if you're going to play with the pace that Barry Lunny wants to play with so offensively I think there's there's still a lot of question marks but there's there's a lot of high marks that happened on Thursday night as well. Well, and, and, and Zai, uh, in the words of uh, Jim Ross, he, he delivered a slobber knocker uh, on that play and definitely, um, definitely uh, made an impression both on the viewing public and on the guys up in the booth because they yeah, loved that Yeah, to play. quote the late John Madden, there was definitely a boom. Like, I mean, it was, <laughs> there was a pull here and a pull here and a whap. Like, yep. I mean, it was, there was a wham block right there, and, and, and that was exactly what – Zy Chrysler was supposed to do on that play, and he was effective. Trust yes. me, that's an effective play that they're going to put up on the board and up on the screen, and he's going to feel good about. Yeah, he he was good there. Um, so let's let's take a look now. The other side of the ball, the defense. The defense had the requisite amount of 
of guys who weren't playing because you don't want to risk injury in these situations. Um, how did the defense look to your eyes? Obviously, they they had a really um, fantastic finish to the season last year. Did they pick up where they left off? So a star is born, I thought, because and it's weird to say that because he's been here around here for a while and he's a senior. But Kendall Smith, if Brett Bielema doesn't have a well, I'll just call it like Brett Bielema can call me at my house if he wants to. But a ridiculously stupid rule of, hey, if there's a change of possession, the ball gets whistled dead. Hey, you took a touchdown away from Kendall Smith. Like, I mean, that ball goes to the house. Um, that's a pick six. That's a beautiful play for Kendall Smith, and it's out of the position that you're losing out of Kirby Joseph. That's the free safety position you're losing from Kirby Joseph last year. Read the quarterback's eyes perfectly, made a play on the football, exactly what Ryan Walters wants out of his safeties, exactly what Aaron Henry's teaching his back cornerbacks to do. Um, I thought it was, I thought it was, it was beautiful, um, and that's a guy that they're pointing to and saying, "Hey, we need you know." Guy puts in that's a guy who put his name in the portal, Mike, pulled his name out of the portal and said, Hey, I want to come back to Illinois. I, I, I think the grass isn't always greener. I want to be here. And, you know, he's back in, you know, two feet in. And you saw it this spring where he's he's really developed as a senior leader of this defense, especially back there that needs a whole bunch of veteran leadership. Um, you know, the, the Kirby Joseph look. The Kirby Joseph void is, is there. I mean, you don't lose yep. a guy like that who's going to be a second or third round pick in the NFL draft and feel good about that. But, um, you know, that's that's somebody who has stepped up this spring and really filled that void. So that was a that was a real positive coming out of the spring game. If you really want to highlight some plays, um, I thought the linebackers did a really, really good job um, when you talk about, you know, C.J. Hart played one game last yep. year was the defensive player of the week in the big 10 conference in that one game. Yeah. And if he and his roommate Tyreek Barnes can really solidify that inside linebacker room that Andy Boo just really loves. And, they, and he thinks is like four deep. Um, you really only concern at that point is the guys on the outside rushing the quarterback in Kevin Kane's room. And I thought Seth Coleman and, and Ezekiel Holmes did a pretty good job of showcasing what they can do from an athletic standpoint. And um, when, before he, you know, uh, you know, you know, had some injury issues where he kind of cramped up a little bit late in this game, I thought you saw the physicality of Alec Bryant, big number 90. Um, and if he can get with that first team unit, I, I think the, the skill set is there for him to be a disruptive force, just like Owen Carney was last year, especially in this defense. Um, the concern is up front. I know Keith Randolph didn't play. I don't have any concern about Keith. He'll be fine. Um, what I have concern about is just the number of bodies and the number of bodies that Terrence Jamison wants to put out on that field um, and feels good about, especially when offenses continue to play up more and more up-tempo and you're not going to be able to substitute as much as you want. Um, guys like, you know, Keith Randolph, Johnny Newton, Bryce Barnes, who I think has blown up to about 280, a good 280 pounds, um, is going to be able to contribute, but that nose tackle position has got to get solidified and it's got to get solidified by somebody. I don't care who it is. If it's T Rod Edwards, if it's Calvin Avery, if it's Virtus Brown, if it's somebody in the portal, you know, figure it out because the, the idea of what Rod Perry left you, um, after, you know, now that he's no longer there is still a void. So I think that that's a big question mark as you leave the spring, but, 
Um, this defense has seemingly picked up where it left off from having a whole bunch of guys, you know, coming back that at least had a little bit of success, if not a significant amount of success in this defense. And I didn't even talk about guys like Devin Witherspoon and Taz Nicholson, who I thought are, I think are going to be pretty good out there at corner. Um, and Aaron Henry's done a really, really good job of developing that position group when you've had so many freshmen and redshirt freshmen to develop this spring. So maybe we maybe we play Zai two ways because he might be a heck of a of a of a nose guard at three hundred and they did in junior pounds. college they they did in junior college um, there's certainly a, a, a uh, there's certainly a rule of thumb that maybe he can be in a goal line package if you have to have it yeah I was gonna say because you just the the he he's he's very reminiscent of the, the Georgia and I'm see slipping my mind now but the giant from Georgia. Um, okay. Yeah, I mean, he's he's very, uh, you know, I'll even go a little bit old school on you, but he's very Refrigerator Perry-esque. I yeah, mean, oh, no, I agree. That doesn't have – Refridge never had the height, but he was a freak right. athlete. Yep. No, I'm totally with you. When you watch Fridge jump up to a table, you know, with without any movement of his feet, you know, just a, just a straight-up jump, it was like, holy cow. Jordan Davis is who you're thinking of on Georgia. There we are. Georgia. Thank you. And, uh, uh, yeah, Mike, you're going to get to see a lot of him on Sundays, and he's going to make a lot of money. Trust me. Yeah. Yep. Being as big as he is. Yep. Um, special teams. You know, this is this is an area. Um, they've got the we've talked about this before, the literally the greatest human interest story with the 29-year-old freshman who's a former police officer who learned from Blake Hayes how to how to punt and been doing for here in the US, but and then has played Australian rules football. I mean, it's hard if if you were gonna have a list of boxes to check off, I don't think there's enough, there's enough of a list. He could actually check more boxes than there are. Um, and then you've also got the, the kicking position, which hasn't, you know, been as clear. So what, what are we looking at after we've, we've been through, through, through the spring now? I was done debating Hugh Robertson after his first two punts tonight. Yeah. I thought uh, he had a, uh, he had a 50 plus yarder in his first, first attempt. And then he downed one inside the five on his second attempt. And I was done. I was like, okay, we're good. Like, I mean, once again, the punter position is no longer a problem at Illinois, um, yep. at least from what I saw on Thursday night. Uh, I think Caleb Griffin's going to win the kicking job. I do. Um, he's just he's he's gone through some yips right now. He was not solid on Saturday in the little you know whatever the heck that was in front of season ticket holders, um, and he wasn't very good on uh, um, tonight in the spring game um, okay. and. Uh, Brett Bielema noted that they, they've, they've had some struggles in the kicking game. Um, I don't think, you know, what, what's going to have to happen essentially is um, I think Caleb's going to win the job. I think he has proven before two years ago when James McCourt got hit with COVID, you know, and, you know, they had the contract tracing protocols in the Purdue game. He had to be the kicker for Levy Smith's team in that game. Right. He did just fine. Um, I, I tend to believe that because Caleb has played so many sports throughout his entire life, he's one of those kids that's just going to frustrate the coaches throughout. And I'm sure, Mike, you had players like this that would frustrate the hell out of you that, you know, when you turn the lights on, they're going to be fine. But until right. you do, like, and make it real, they, they might have the yips and struggle, you know. And so we'll see. Um, I, I fully expect Caleb to be just fine. I don't think he's going to be James McCourt from a, you know, big, big leg type of deal. I don't know if you're going to see Brett Bielema attempt many 50 plus yarders with Caleb. Um, but I do think from 40 in, he'll be fine. Uh, 
Um, I don't think you're going, I think you could see the offense of play calling once they cross the 40 being a little different because they know they don't have big leg James McCord anymore being able to solidify three points. Um, that could be something you see, but I was more interested in the return game, Mike. And I know that like, Hey, even with Brett Bielema taking over for Lovey Smith, the joke with Lovey Smith was, well, they're just going to put their arm up in the air and get a fair right. catch. doesn't really matter. Right. Um, Look, Josh McCray is the punt return number two guy behind Isaiah Williams. And if this continues, I don't know if I've seen a body type like his catch punts before. And this is a really interesting dynamic for at least for me to keep my eye on is, you know, I've never seen a Cedric, you know, I keep going back to like he's his body type is like a Cedric Benson type Ricky Williams type. Right, um, right. Type type of running back. He's catching punts and he's doing it just fine. And I sometimes wonder, you know, does that gunner really want to deal with Josh McCray if he can oh, get no. his team no. going? Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't think so. Um, I also think that gunner might bounce off Josh McCray if they try to, you know, try to tackle him. And if he, Josh McCray makes you miss once and can get that load of steam going, what kind of kick, what kind of punt return? It's just a unique thing that Brett Bielema and this staff are doing um, with the special teams unit and, understand everybody that the special teams unit used you know was mostly in charge of that was ben miller who's been out with after his cancer diagnosis um and so he's been out the entire spring and so there's been a basically a hodgepodge of guys not only gas and guys that have worked with the special teams but all nine other assistants have kind of put their hand in and said we're going to help with the special teams unit and get that solidified along with coach bielema um Brett's done a Brett's kind of taken the reins on that and they're just kind of trying stuff. And it was the more interesting thing I saw in the spring game of some of just, Hey, let's experiment with this. If he can catch it, which Josh clearly can, let's just give it a go. And so I fully expect Isaiah to be back there because I think he's a dynamic weapon that you can use back there. I, our, our, <laughs> our student intern Zane kind of pointed that out immediately. Like, Hey, I'd kind of like to see this. And, Sure enough, Brett Bielema would too, because he put him, put Isaiah back there. Um, uh, and so, but I think Chase Brown as a punt return option is is intriguing to me. So um, that was something I I didn't expect to see on Thursday night, even though I had seen it on Saturday. He was like the third or fourth guy to catch a punt, and I thought, oh well, that's kind of funny. Like, and then tonight they kind of put him back there along with Isaiah Williams, and it's almost kind of like a pick your poison type of thing when they do that, because it's like, hey you're not going to be able to not kick it to one of us unless you want to kick it out of bounds. Um, so you're almost daring somebody to kick it out of bounds or you're going to kick it to one of our dynamic offensive players. That's just kind of two different weapons back there. So um, I thought that was kind of interesting from a special team standpoint of just kind of maybe trying something unique in a spring game. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I, like I said, I, I, I watched the, the game tonight, obviously on the big 10 network. Um, and you know, I just, I have a lot, I, and I, I didn't think I would say this, and if you read, you know, some of my initial uh, responses when Coach B was hired, I just wasn't certain he was the right guy for the program. Um, but I think, uh, you know, it just goes to show you that, that people develop and change and grow over the years. And, and this coach that we have now who has uh, – taken, you know, lessons from each step in his coaching stops, including, you know, Bill Belichick, you know, in the NFL, 
is a formidable bow who probably would be quite a bit uh, uh, tougher and, and more prepared than maybe a younger Brett Bielma would have been. Yeah, and, Mike, I, I, I don't mean to cut you off, but like I've had that thought myself of because I was around the SEC when Brett got fired at Arkansas, I would say unruly, especially after you saw what Arkansas did the subsequent two years after they fired. Exactly. Brett. Yeah which was not win an SEC game. Yep. Um, but uh, I, I wonder if Illinois got the best version of Brett Bielema. And, I, and the answer – and the reason I wonder that is because I think the answer is yes. And the reason I feel that way is, um, is, is Brett Bielema a better coach today because he had the NFL experience with the, with the Patriots and with the Giants. Um, that he had never had before in his coaching career. You, you mean, he had he had obviously coached under guys like Hayden Fry and and Bill Snyder um, before he got to Wisconsin and worked for Barry Alvarez. Um, all of all of which are Hall of Famers, exactly, right? Exactly. But but he hadn't gotten he hadn't seen a different level of football, and he hadn't seen I want to say a different way of preparing like you see in those NFL, in those NFL buildings and guys who get drafted will always tell you it's just a different animal. Um, and I think he comes to Illinois with the perspective of trying to mold that into what he already knew, which was how to run a college program in a power five conference in an effective way. Cause he did it well, in Wisconsin yeah. Yeah. as much yeah. as people in Arkansas don't want to admit it. He did it at Arkansas too, because right. four straight bowl games at Arkansas is, pretty darn good um so yeah I, I would agree with you mike just to let you kind of go again like i i think illinois when when josh made the hire decided he said hey i need a guy with head coaching experience well i think he also wanted the most experience for his candidate and i think brett bielema's resume produced that at a level that i don't know if illinois hires him immediately after he gets fired at arkansas because he just didn't have that exactly catch-ay. You know, he didn't have that dot on the resume that says, I know well, what the pro game wants in you, and so I can recruit to that too. Well, the interesting thing about the pro game is is it's built towards parity. You know, you finish with the best record. Sure. You play the best teams the next year. You draft at the bottom of the draft. And so to establish yourself as a standard of excellence in a league that tries to put people, you know, in a perfect world, the league would have everybody at eight and eight, you know. Um, and, and that's what it drives towards. And, you know, he worked with Bill Belichick who managed not only to keep his head above water, but basically managed to keep himself head and shoulders above the rest of the league for two decades. Um, now you come back to college where there are some advantages for the, the bigger teams. And right now he's swimming upstream because Illinois doesn't have those advantages in football that they might have in basketball. And, and yet he's got a, he's, he understands uh, how to deal with that because of his uh, professional experience. And, and even if you take a look, you know, arguably the greatest college coach in football of all time is Nick Saban. The NFL chewed him up one side and down the other and spit him out. And, and he's a fantastic uh, college coach. So I, I really think Illinois may have, uh, uh, you know, for all the jokes that people had that Josh Whitman was was bidding against himself, I think maybe Josh Whitman put together um, 
the math and solve the equation, maybe before anybody else even knew what the equation was. Now we'll see way too early to, to, to say success, but the Brett Bielma of, of a decade ago, pretty much wailed on the uh, big 10 West. Now we'll see if the, uh, the modern day Brett can do the same thing. And, and, you know, when you look at, you know, Barron's getting old in Iowa and, well, I think Paul Christ is a fine coach. I don't think he's Barry Alvarez. Um, and Fleck is Fleck. Um, and, and obviously, um, you know, for whatever you can say about uh, Fitzy up at Northwestern, he does seem to have those bottom out years, you know, that, that, sure. that you saw that, it last that, year. You saw yeah, it exactly. Right. And, and I w- so I think you could make a case that, you know, especially given Illinois' ability to play in the NIL space, um, Brett Bielma may be the guy that you actually want in this. Yeah, I think, look, here's here's how I'll wrap this in a tight little bow for you, Mike, is that Illinois fans come out of the spring game knowing, hey, our head coach has a plan. Like, do I know if that plan is going to work and, and get Illinois to, you know, Pasadena anytime soon? I have no earthly idea. Um, do, do I think they have a plan? Yeah, I think they do. I think it's a coherent plan. And I think it's, it's, it's it hasn't wavered since he was hired in December of 2021 in in the middle of the pandemic. Like, um, this is what he wants to do. This is the program, how he wants it to look. Um, and it's not fully how he wants it to look yet. I don't think you'll see that until 2023, 2024, but in this 2022 spring game, they looked competent on offense. They didn't look like they didn't know what they were doing with a first-year coordinator and a new quarterback and new pieces on the offensive line. They looked competent. They looked like they knew what they were doing. I know this is a low bar, but like, yeah, I just, agree. just know, look, guys, I, I'm going to challenge Illinois fans here, Mike. Go watch some other spring games across the country and look how discombobulated those, those suckers are. I've talked to coaches all across the country that I still maintain ties with, and they have told me, Matt, like, I have to acknowledge that we're just not very good offensively right now, and we're not going to be in April. Like, I, I think we're going to be pretty good in August and September and October by the time that rolls around, but we're not going to be very good right now. We have four new wide receivers out of the portal, and we got a new quarterback out of the portal, and I got new assistants and all this. We're just not going to be very good right now. And they've told me that off the record, and I, I said, okay. And I think that's what you're seeing in a lot of these spring games. Look, it's ones versus twos, and I get it. It's made for Tommy DeVito to look awesome. Right. Like exactly. I get it, I understand it, but it's not made. It's not manipulated so that Tommy DeVito and Barry Lunny look competent and look like they know what they're doing. Like that yep. has to still ex- be executed and happen, and it did. Um, and then I don't. I mean, look, there's a reason why they made Ryan Walters a million dollar coordinator, and there's a reason why this defense in year two is supposed to at least keep the baseline of what you saw in year one. And if that happens, guess what? Illinois is going to still be in games like they were in all but two games last year. And you've got a chance to get to a postseason game and, you know, continuing to move the rock upward up the mountain if you're Brett Bielema. And so that's why I say, Hey, on the night of April 21st, if you were watching on big 10 network or listening on WDWS or, or, you know, uh, in the stadium in Champaign, you saw a program with a plan. Is that plan going to work? I have no earthly idea. Um, to to the to the extent of 
being a powerhouse in the Big Ten West. I have no earthly idea, but I know that it's a plan that that the kids believe in, and I know that it's a plan the coaches believe in, and I know that it's a plan that makes sense. So, like, you got that going for you. And look, not at, there's 60 Power Five conference teams, Mike. I, I don't know if all 60 know that coming out of the end of April. So, yep. you know, if you're Illinois, you're ahead in that regard. Um, there's still a lot of questions to be answered, but your head coach has a plan. And I think, you know, the, the program has a plan going forward into the summer, which I think is going to be a pretty critical summer um, for Illinois and a pretty critical fall camp to get everything set to go because you've got a chance here. And I don't want to play the schedule game here on April 21st. Yeah. But the reason why this spring is so critical and this summer is so critical and this fall is so critical is you've got games that you should be favored in and that you could be favored in to get yourself on a roll here and then let Illinois get on a roll and then let the marketing major at the University of Iowa named Brett Bielema work, you know, what he his magic in that regard. And then now you start getting recruits in here excited about Illinois, just like you did tonight, by the way. I haven't mentioned that either. You had a whole bunch of 2023s. You had a whole bunch of 2024s that were here tonight that are real, real excited about what's going on at Illinois. So um, um, too, too many to mention, to be quite honest yep. with you. Um, and so that's what Brad Bielema has brought to this program. He's brought a professional plan, and he hasn't forgotten what the uh, – the lifeline of college football is, and that's going and getting players and being able to excel yourself to go get players. And he has both of those qualities, I think. Yeah, that's an excellent recap. And of course, you know, you talk about people with the plan, that's a line I guys make sure that when you are planning opening game is August 27th, well, Wyoming in week zero, and you will want to make sure. And I'm telling you what, when, when the date comes to sign up, you want to do it right away. Because on August 26th, that Friday, that will be the first ever Illini Guys Golf Classic at Atkins Golf Club, and it is going to sell out almost immediately. So be looking at IlliniGuys.com for uh, all the – stay up to date on that so that you know when, those, when you're able to, to reserve yourself, your spot, that you're able to do it right away because you're not going to want to miss that. Of course, you also don't want to miss Sturdy for 30. That's Brad Sturdy's podcast. Uh, Keds Recruiting Roundup, where he has in the last week talked to just some guy named Ty Rogers. I hear he's Sky, pretty good. I, exactly. I hear he's really good. Uh, Sky Clark. I hear he's pretty good. He's pretty good, too. Yeah, and also you are talking to Jaden Epps. I hear he's pretty good too. Yeah, the only the only person he has not yet got a chance to talk to is Sincere Harris. We're working on it, but he's a man of very few words. So you can get what it's like to be a recruit from Keds Recruiting Roundup. And of course, you can also check out the Illini Guys Sports Spectacular, which is a two-hour radio extravaganza every Friday, Saturday, or Sunday on your local station. If you go to IlliniGuys.com, you click the radio button up towards the right-hand top side of the, the window, it will give you a list of all 29 stations throughout the state of Illinois. What day and what time we're on, we ask you to go ahead and listen to that. Call up that station and say, hey, thanks for bringing the Illini guys to my town. And finally, you can also get that 
um, by uh, on. We will put it out Sunday afternoon as a podcast. You can also listen to it that way if you don't have a chance to listen on the radio. And the last thing we ask you, if you want to know what's going on with Illini recruiting, whether it's, you know, nuggets from Brad Sturdy, Kedrick, Matt, those things are in the members, in the forums, in the back, the message boards. You can get those by being a subscriber. You want to know what Kofi's doing, but you don't want to wait till the announcement? You got to go there. We're not going to spoil it for any kids, but you might want to go and you have a little idea of what's coming up. And you want to know, you know, what's going on in the uh, transfer portal. It's a good place to be a member of. So the bottom line is IlliniGuys.com. You can subscribe $99 a year, $9.99 a month. Either way, whatever you'd like to do, you have a seven-day guarantee. So you can certainly be here for seven days. And that on that seventh day, we bill you. And tell me, and let me tell you, folks, people really rarely, rarely do not sign up for the full time. So thank you very much for listening to us and be on the lookout for the next Eye on the Illini.